Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello, and welcome to this EM360 podcast. I'm Scott Taylor, the Data Whisperer, and I'm delighted to be your host for this podcast series. I am principal consultant at MetaMeta Consulting. We help organizations tell their data story by reinforcing the strategic value of proper data management. In today's podcast, I'll be speaking with Anna Gillen, Senior Solutions Engineer and Wim Stope, Product Marketing Director, both at Cloudera. How are you both doing today? Very well, Scott. Thanks for asking. Hi there, Scott. Great. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. You know, as brands come under more scrutiny, security and governance of data has never been more crucial, yet at the same time, the landscape in which businesses operate has become more nuanced. It's just this dichotomy a lot of companies have to deal with. So just jumping right into this, we're going to talk about security and governance today, and that's often viewed just as prevention. So how do you start to think about those as business enablers? That's a, that's a great question. And I think to, to start answering it, let's look at when it is prevention first. And, and prevention, in my view, is when every single system that you're using is a siloed system, when there is no consistency from a security and governance perspective between any of them. That then also means we've then identified what the enabler is. When you can have consistency and security and governance between any and all of those systems so that you can actually get to insight faster. It allows you also to shift from very reactive governance after the event. Um, when I need to meet my requirements for a, uh, a data regulation perspective, to be able to move to something that is an awful lot more proactive. What, what do you think, Anna? Yeah, I mean, I'd agree. You know, I think it's quite a funny question there, uh, Scott, because it's such a common feeling that security is business prevention, that there's even a recurring character in a very famous uh, business comic uh, called Mordak, the preventer of information systems, right? You know, he gets in everybody's way by demanding things to be secure. And I think that's just reality in, in day-to-day business. So I can see how it happens, right? Especially when people develop things, you know, that they're, they're really excited about a new use case, a new set of tools. And then suddenly somebody tells them, no, go back, retrofit our security policies, do all this stuff again. You know, it, it, it makes them feel like they're being prevented from, from progressing, from, from that agility that they want. So I think, you know, if we can start to think of it as an enabler, what if security and governance was in place beforehand, then you wouldn't have to go back and do stuff. You wouldn't have to ask people to, uh, you know, be allowed to access data. You wouldn't have to ask anybody to to do um, your job, right? Because you know that all of the security and the governance is in place already. So I think that that's where we need to start shifting the, the view of security. Um, you know, it's there, it's invisible, um, you know, it's done right. And then, you know, we can just do, do our jobs. So when you think about usability and security, those two pieces, they're often at odds with each other. At least the perception is that they're at odds with each other. So how do you start to balance those two, Anna? Yeah, so I think the key here really is uh, automation. Um, you know, security has to be invisible to the end user, as, as I already said. And, and that means that central IT has to set things up beforehand, set, set, set things up automatically. Um, and then after that, it kind of becomes a pleasant experience for the user, uh, which is where you get that usability while still retaining security. So if we have an example, you know, if you implement single sign-on, 
right? That means a user only has to remember one password, that once they sign in, every other interface, every other uh, tool that they open is automatically signed in. Now security is pleasant. It actually speeds up your productivity, doesn't it? And then, for example, uh, you know, all of that is also then managed securely if you join an organization, if you leave a team, if you move to different parts of the business, your job changes, everything there, your access, the tools you need to use is managed centrally. So there you go. Again, increases your productivity. You can hit the ground running if central IT has done their job and automated the process before you even start working. Then, you know, once your access to data is implemented in an organized, well-governed way, you always have access to the data that you need to do your job, again, without having to ask anybody, without having to log a ticket. You know, that if the classification and the data access has been done automatically for you, again, you don't have to ask anyone. And that security is there. It's, it's very much there, but it's invisible to you. And then finally, you know, if metadata is collected automatically, uh, you know, if if audits are done automatically, now you never have to talk to InfoSec, <laughs> right? Which I think nobody ever wants to do as a user. Uh, InfoSec just goes in, you know, they know who's accessing what, what they're accessing, what data is being created and used. So again, that invisible, automated, secure and governed data system then really just aids that usability. Single sign-on, such a great example of a man- of this a really improved user experience and something that is inherently more secure. I know just the term single sign-on brings me relief in my shoulders, imagining being able to do that in some context. When, when you say data governance, when you say it with a capital D and a capital G, it tends to relate to data quality, but when paired with security, it has different connotations. So how would you define it in your context? Yeah, thank you. Uh, as, as Anna just already said, security is very much about who can access what data in which form. And governance, data governance then, is really about defining the rules on, on how data can be accessed, but also how and where it can be kept. Without governance, you can't have proper security. You need to know what data there is, what users need to access, which data sets, uh, which new data sets are created, take care of classifying and managing their access automatically. You need to know where and when which analytics are running, which tools were running them, whether or not encryption was required, uh, anything from a firewall perspective that needs to be opened or closed. That is all encompassing for, for data governance. And I think right now, it is actually becoming more and more important for businesses. The, the amount of data that's coming at us, it's, it's like a torrent coming down. There's 5G being unleashed. There is more and more virtual, like podcast uh, sessions taking place where we interact with, with customers, with partners, with employees. All that data needs to somehow be brought to the end users, those that can do something with it, that can drive insights. If you can do that at scale in an automated fashion, as Anna just outlined, then you can get to insight quicker, you can get to innovation and differentiation an awful lot faster. So my definition for data governance is knowing your data and knowing it's used properly, because of course, regulatory compliance is also getting ever, ever more important for organizations. 
not being able to comply with those regulations and not being able to take your data, keep your data secure is a great way to destroy your brand in an instant. We see example after example after that. Absolutely the case. All you're going to do is read, you know, read the news feeds. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there, there is increase of, of regulatory compliance. There is the increase of, of data flows. And if you, if you don't know what's in your data and, like many times, there, there'll be there'll be obscure logs that somehow contain IP addresses from the person interacting with your website. Not knowing what's in there is not a defense when it comes to non-compliance. Also, think about multinational organizations. If you don't take a step back and look at data governance and data security holistically, every single regulation is turning into a project in its own right. And that is absolutely mind-boggling what that then requires from, a, from an operational perspective. There's, there's shed loads of money that gets poured into that. On average, financial services industry, and I know this is a prime example of a regulated industry, spends about $31 million per year, per year, just managing and maintaining their compliance. So uh, being able to do that in a much more automated fashion uh, is, is an absolute godsend. Being able to govern and secure your data properly from the source, very much again in a proactive manner, gives you compliance and adherence to regulation as a near side effect of doing it. The amount of effort becomes tremendously much, um, much less. But the point of it is you are doing it while also driving more insight and innovation for your organization, while bringing more use cases to the table, rather than, first of all, uh, making sure that we are in compliance. Of course, it's important, but if you then have to look for insight and, and innovation from your data afterwards, it's an awful lot trickier. This way, you get value and compliance as a side effect. And both of them from essentially the same effort. Exactly. So that should help with things like ROI, why should we fund this, why is this important? A lot of things in the data space, and this is one of them, end up spinning off multiple use cases and other value just by having it in place. Correct. It becomes, it becomes a, a fundamental and ingrained part of the business. Um, again, like I said, if you, as, a, as a multinational organization in a highly regulated industry, every single one of these projects becomes its own thing. You end up doing the same thing time and again, but in complete isolation, reinventing the wheel. This way, your, your, your efficiency is increased multifold, simply having it, as a, having it as a side effect of proper governance and proper security inside your organization. But that's exactly where the platform that we, we provide, Cloudera Data Platform, helps because it has that consistent and single view of security and governance, irrespective of which analytics you use, irrespective of where they are deployed. Having this more holistic view of security and governance begins to get more important, begins to make this whole topic area more strategic, I would imagine. And the lack of data security can severely impact the brand as we talked about. So are you seeing a heightened awareness from senior leadership as to the importance of security and governance? Absolutely. Uh, they, they are indeed the ones that are, that are sitting, looking, looking at both sides of that equation. On the one hand side, uh, not wanting to be subject to any of the extremely punitive fines. I mean, GDPR already has um, the, the, the 20 million euros or 4% of your, your global turnover 
um, whichever is greater. Um, Canada just, we're looking at uh, 25 million Canadian dollars or 5%. That is, that is very, very crippling for many organizations. But on the other hand, you still need to, as I already said before, in the current state, drive more value from more data ever faster in order to be able to not just not just thrive as we all have been doing, but for many organizations also to be able to survive. Getting that data again in the hands of the people that can get that insight, can deploy more use cases faster, that is crucial. And that is exactly what the, uh, the, the objectives of senior management are. Those fines certainly get the attention of people, whether they're imposed on them or even as a implied threat. But what's nice is this other thread you're talking about, which is that same work can be a business enabler. So getting that story out there and having people understand that it might be the initial reason to do it is to protect yourself, but it also helps you grow and expand the business, as you mentioned, at scale. I would imagine these are really key notions to bring in front of senior business leaders. Absolutely. And, and just to add a final point to that, if I'm thinking about how many organizations are, are getting to, to insight in their data, there is, there is a spectrum. Uh, you, you can either do it on a very departmental level where you're looking at uh, an, an existing set of data, a known set of data, and you're looking for small refinements and improvements to existing deployed use cases. You, you, you probably do many of those, although the benefit of each is, is relatively small. Compare that to the completely other side of the spectrum where I have the unknown unknowns and I am just asking the clever minds inside my organization to come up with the next new product, the next new service, the, 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 the big lottery win, if you will, that if we hit on it is actually going to make us a tremendous amount of money. You don't do many of those, but when you do hit on one of those, it's going to be the absolute jackpot. Whereas the first one requires you to present a relatively small set of data to a relatively small set of of people, the other requires you to open up the complete range of data to a a wider range of, of individuals inside your organization. And unless you have that security and governance in place, you are unable to do so. You will never be able to hit on those those big ticket items, those those synergistic, uh, serendipitous uh, discoveries, if you will, if you don't do that. Synergistic and serendipitous. Who doesn't want both of those at once? That's a <laughs> definite sweet spot. Anna, back to you on something. How do you start to position all of this as a benefit for, in particular, for cloud-based businesses? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I think it's actually a very pertinent question because sometimes I feel like people, uh, well, at least business side users want to go to the cloud because they think that they're going to get away from the, the the grasp of their security and central IT teams by going into the cloud, right? It's this sort of brave new world. They think they can do whatever they want. You know, it's this kind of myth of I can just put my credit card in and suddenly I have, you know, compute resources. I can do what I want. But actually what I'm starting to see is that IT and and InfoSec get much more nervous at that point. And it even gets worse than it was on-premise because now they don't have full control of the infrastructure. They don't have full control of what people are putting in and what people are doing with with data. So it almost gets more draconian than they ever were on-premise, right? 
So I think where I want to, when I talk to, to my customers, I really do position that automated security and governance as a serious benefit for making the cloud more consumable in an enterprise context, if, if you understand what I mean there. So back to, you know, that single sign-on, the, you know, maybe a comprehensive data catalog. Once you get into the cloud, which is kind of a wild west, right? You, you know, costs can spiral because you end up potentially storing data multiple times. You don't know who is putting ingesting data where and why and 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 for what what purpose. Maybe you know somebody over there is is using a data set that could be useful to you, but you don't know if there's not an adequate um, there's not an adequate governance procedure around all of that. So, you know, you end up wasting time re-ingesting that data set. Imagine if you had a comprehensive data catalog, you could go in, you could see everything that is up in cloud storage for you. And great, it's in cloud storage. So now you can access it provided the adequate um, access policies are in place, which if your security team has done their job again properly, they should be. And indeed, you don't then have to log a ticket to ask access for a certain um, interface. You can just start using that tool if it's part of your single sign-on access, right? So I think where I want to, again, position it is that if if you go into the cloud and you have security and governance in place in an automated and, you know, I guess, friendly manner, uh, it makes the cloud much more usable for you in an enterprise context because let's face it, we're not just random, you know, script kitties that that can just do whatever we want. We have to, we have to act within the confines of our business, right? Random script kitties. I'm learning so many terms today <laughs> from the two of you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, thinking about so all of this makes so much sense. But are there's so is there still any real resistance to security and governance? Why are we still talking about it? Is there is there real pushback that you hear and get? So yeah, there is still pushback. And I think sometimes, again, it's from those people who thought of the cloud as a way to get away from all of that. You know, they think, oh, it's not important. All I want is a box in which to run my code. But actually, you know, we know, we know that business applications, business projects are never done in isolation like that. So, you know, there is a lot of pushback. We're still talking about it because, the conversation still needs to happen. Um, you know, so I've had so many customer conversations where we're actually fighting with central IT or, or fighting alongside central IT, I should say, against maybe some business users who think, again, they can just go on their own. And central IT are saying, you know, trying to convince them that, no, actually, you need me to set this up nicely. You don't know what it would be like if I wasn't here kind of thing. You know, if we go into kind of some cloud native solutions, we start using a bunch of these different um, tooling, you know, some of these different startups, et cetera, within you know, the, um, the, the data space. We, you know, actually, it's a bit difficult to, in every single one, you need to have a different, login, you need to have a different way of accessing data. There's a different data catalog. They're defined in different ways. You actually, it's a lot more difficult for you than you might realize. Um, But if, you know, it's set up nicely where 
all centrally governed, everything's labeled properly, organized in in the right way, in a business appropriate manner. Uh, it's a lot more usable. And so it, it makes kind of cloud computing a, a, a lot more enterprise grade. So yeah, this is why it still needs to happen. I don't know what, what you think, Wim. What are you seeing? Yeah, definitely. So when the angle that I want to take on this is if I if I look across enterprise as to what they're actually using from an infrastructure perspective, vast majority of organizations, uh, 80% plus, are self-confessed hybrid and multi-cloud users, which is all well and good if it wasn't for the fact that every single different deployment mechanism, be that in, in one public cloud versus another public cloud versus something that's on-premise, has its own frameworks, it, its own way of doing security and governance. Uh, so as a, as a poor consumer of all these services, you have to yourself figure out um, how to achieve a degree of consistency between all these different frameworks. You have to get experts in public clouds who then have to agree between them how things are done across them all. And that is hard. That is why things are difficult. And um, over time, organizations will, will perhaps migrate information, data together and analytics together into a single um, into a single deployment, into a single infrastructure. But that, that will take time as well. How do you, until such time, still manage to get that degree of consistency? How do you still meet your requirements and needs from a regulatory compliance perspective? That's why we're still talking about this. So let's bring it real in terms of actual customer activity. I'd love for you to share a couple of anecdotes from your customer experience and interaction that illuminate these ideas and think about too, are there any where you saw a cultural impact? Yep. So I have a, I have a couple of examples. I have one, one customer, I can't say their name, but they're an energy provider. They actually implemented a fairly simple information management strategy, which in turn helped them simplify their security management as well. So they came up with literally 14 subject areas, they called it. And they mapped those to roles, which again, were mapped to, you know, user groups in their user directory, right? So they then classified all of their thousands of tables that they had within the um, data platform that I was working on them with. And they classified all of those thousands of tables according to those 14 subject areas, right? So now you have classification against each table and you have a role that can access things classified with that um, with that tag. And basically anytime somebody was assigned a role in the user directory or for example having joined a team or having started a um, on a particular project, suddenly they had access to all of the data that was necessary to do that job without having to you know go through any extra steps. So by doing that mapping exercise, which, yeah, it took a long time because they had to retrofit a completely ungoverned system at that point, um, they were then able to uh, really accelerate the productivity of, of all of their employees. So they actually did this with um, the integration between Apache Atlas and Apache Ranger. So Apache Atlas being a data catalog, they applied the classifications within that and then applied classification-based access policies. And so all of that was automatically tied together. 
And, you know, it, it had a serious impact on the way that people were able to engage with the data sets that they have. Um, I also had another customer, they're a payments processor. And, you know, kind of talking about making sure that governance and security are a part of everything that they do. They actually had a governance person be a part of every single data project from the beginning. So now these people know what data already exists, you know, because they are managing the data dictionary. They know how it's been ingested, what the formats are. They know how it's been engineered. They know where it's stored. They also know what regulations that that kind of data needs to be subject to. So now if any new data sets need to be brought in, they can do that from the beginning. If any existing data sets can be used as part of the project, these guys know what already is there. So as you can see, again, the productivity is massively increased. They get started running immediately instead of having to figure it all out in advance. So both really great examples of how, you know, governance and security can, can accelerate um, can accelerate productivity. Super stories. And I think having a governance person part of every data project is an excellent suggestion, no matter what your enterprise is doing to get that perspective in there. I love this 14 subject areas. Would you mind just, are there a couple examples you can give us in of what, what some of those were? Not, well, they were a little bit proprietary, so I can't really say, but okay. it was sort of stuff like, you know, uh, customer, um, okay. you know, business, um, business account, you know, these kinds of things. So Basic the, yeah. types of relationships yeah. and types of products and services. So nothing magic in that no. for anybody listening. It's more around things that would probably map directly to your master data domains, customer, vendor, partner, prospect, product, service, offering. Those kind of nouns of a business tend to be really good subject areas for, I'm sure, markets in there, geography. Again, no huge surprises, probably more specific to the terminology of that vertical than it is to some new magic way of designing things. So No, indeed. Yeah, it was it was very, very simple. It was it was plain English, you know, uh, which I think as well helped with the adoption of the whole process. So yeah. Absolutely. You wanna you want the business to engage, you gotta speak the language of the business, not the other way around. So Wim, any anecdotes, customer stories you can share? Yeah, definitely. So I, I come bearing bearing the story of a of a large uh, bank in uh, in the Far East. Um, as as with many uh, banks and, and financial service organizations, they are very keen to uh, to run all of their analytics and keep very tight control of all of the data in on premise data centers. But we also know that investing in uh, in in hardware that you need to order, commission yourself, and manage yourself. Uh, is not the quickest way to get any scalability in uh, in, in your business. You, you 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 can't very quickly say for the next ten hours I want to have a five hundred node server farm uh, to to just quickly crunch these numbers. Um, because they were able to establish that very very tight, um, consistent security and governance, they felt confident enough and. Of course, as a bank, it's not just about the regulation. You need to put a degree of confidence from your own organization in there as well. They are confident enough to be able to, to burst some of the workloads that they have at, say, quarter end of year end or, or other times in, in, in the bank's calendar where they do need to have that uh, additional processing power. They're able to now burst 
some of these data and analytics out to public cloud. So for the, the duration that they needed to supplement the resources in processing power as well as storage from their on-premise data center with something that's in public cloud. Because as and when they move data, they move all of the data security, all of the data governance, we call it context, it moves with that data. So regardless of whether it's in their data center or in the public cloud, they at all times know exactly where the data is, have complete lineage, and have, uh, have absolute certainty that it is handled by the right people in the right way, in line with the regulations that they're subject to. And that just for the short periods of time that they need it. If that need for additional processing power goes away, so does the cloud instance that they use. The data moves back or any results move back and uh, they continue as they were before just on-premise. So it's, it's a great scalability story for a very highly regulated industry that shows you what consistent security and governance can do from a flexibility, agility, and also impact perspective. You keep bringing up this notion of scale Every business wants to try and do these things at scale, whatever their activity is. So it's so important to have that foundation of security and governance. Well, we're out of time, believe it or not. But Anna and Wim, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. A pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So I know I speak for all of us script kiddies who are out there looking for synergistic and serendipitous holistic value. I want to give a big thank you to Anna and Wim for their thoughts on this episode on everything security and governance. Join us for the next episode when we look at data visualization with Chris Darville, RVP Solutions Engineer at Cloudera. Until then, this is Scott Taylor, the Data Whisperer. And for the folks at EM360 and Cloudera, thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.